heaven, it's when maybe we buy a home and we come into an agreement for 25 or 30 years and we sign with the bank loan officers and we date it and we look forward to the day that that is a guaranteed title in our name, paid for, signed, and delivered. You see the difference? A little bit more personal covenant is when we get married and we come into agreement with God and our spouse and we say, yes, I want to marry this man. I want to be with him for the rest of my life. I'm coming into a formal agreement and you sign a marriage certificate and you date it and you don't forget the date and you just, that, that is an, a type of agreement that Webster's talks about, what the world looks at. So, um, 36 years ago, I was a struggling mom. I was about 20-something years old, 25, 26. And I was just, uh, I had a one-and-a-half and a two-and-a-half-year-old, and and I was a struggling mom, and I had financial problems, and my husband had landed a job in Houston at the railroad, and um, I just prayed in in a frustrating way of praying. My prayers were like, Oh, God, just fix it. You know, I mean, it just fall on my pillow on the bed. When things really got bad, my prayers became desperation. And that's how I prayed. And so um, I would cry out to the Lord. And and I know that in Psalms 130, 1 through 2, it says, uh, When I I cry unto you, O Lord, you will hear my prayer. So God saw this desperated heart. And he saw that I was crying out unto him. And I I needed answers. and, And God came to my rescue. And so I was sitting in my living room at my dining room table, and I was just sitting there saying, God, I just don't know what to do. And I was just kind of flipping the pages. I wasn't a real big reader of the Bible and things like that. I just cried out to God. I was a Christian. And I ran across Hebrews 4.12. And this is my key scripture where I found revelation from him. And the Hebrews 4.12, it says, The word of God is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both the joints and the morrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And when I saw it, this changed everything. I just, I looked down and I said, what? The word of God is alive and active? Now, I knew the Bible was true. I knew every word of the Bible was true. I thought this was so neat, the stories of the Bible, and someday maybe somebody will talk about my stories. But I somehow did not grasp the concept that his word was alive and active. And literally, in, in my spirit, I saw the words of the Bible going like this. We're alive. We're inactive. We want to go forth. Send us forth. Send us forth so we can go forth and penetrate the heart and the morrow of the bone. And I mean, it was just blasting through me, just blasting. I knew this is, this changes everything. If his word is truly alive and active, I don't have to do anything. I can just stand on his word. And so I had two daughters at the time, one and a half and two and a half. My firstborn was a redhead. Her name was Christy. And she was adorable. Everybody that saw her thought she was adorable. However, so many people would say, oh, she's redheaded. I feel so sorry for you. You know those redheads, they're hot-tempered. And boy, howdy, is she going to have a hot temper? People are going to make fun of her all her life. 
And I heard curses coming forth, and I mean, I was like, oh, no, what am I going to do? I need to do everything that I can do to protect her so people don't say anything about her ugly red hair. I'm going to make sure her hair always looks good, and it's always curled, and it's always cut. And I just became engulfed with this fear over my redhead. She was also kind of going through the two-year-old awkward stage people talk about. And people would say, oh, that's just the two-year-olds. All two-year-olds will go through the awkward stage. And it's a tough stage, but you'll get through it. And I just thought, God, I'm I'm getting bombarded with words from people that put fear on me. And I allowed that fear to grow and just stay in my spirit and worry for my children. I was like any of you. I wanted more for my children than I had for myself. And so my one-year-old, my one-and-a-half-year-old, her name was Ginger. She's back there working for me today. And she was extremely shy. Now, I had so many insecurities growing up, so much rejection on me, that the one thing I didn't want was my children to have anything that I had. And in Ginger, I could see this shyness and this insecurity. And every time I went anywhere and people would say, oh, how cute a little girl. She would just bury her face in my clothes. You know, she would just bury her face in my dresses and didn't want to talk to anybody. And... And the shyness and the insecurity was there. And I was like, tell him your name, tell him your name, you know, step out here. And I just couldn't, I didn't know how to make it happen. And so I went to God's word and I thought, if your word is alive and active, you can change this situation. Your word can go forth and penetrate the heart of my one and a half and my two and a half year old and change their destiny. And so I pulled a three by five card out. This is literally my first covenant I ever wrote. It was on a three-by-five card. On one side, I wrote Christy. And I went to the concordance, and I thought, now, what's the opposite of awkward and rough and things like that? And I I just kept getting gentle. So I went to the concordance because I didn't know how to look scriptures up. I just looked up gentle. And so on the the card, I put 2 Timothy 2.24, and you can jot that down. Most of these things are in the book, you'll see. But I wrote down 2 Timothy 2.24. For Christy, the servant of the Lord, will not strive, but she will be gentle to all men and apt to teach and patient. And then I found Psalms 18.35. Thy gentleness hath made Christy great. Those are the only two scriptures I wrote down. I'm just trying this out right now. And so I flipped it over and I wrote Ginger's name down and I looked up things on... I thought, now, shyness... People say, oh, she's so shy. Ginger's just so shy. And I thought, Jesus wasn't shy. He was bold as a lion. She needs to be bolder because I didn't even know the words to pray. It was just God fix it. Make her not shy anymore. But, you know, if God had answered Brenda prayers, Ginger would have been a chatterbox. And everybody just wished she'd just shut up. Have you ever met somebody you just wish they'd just shut up? I wish you were shy. And so God's word is so perfect. I looked up. Boldness for Ginger. First Timothy 1.7 For God hath not given Ginger the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And Philippians 1.14 Make Ginger to be more bold, to speak the word of God without fear. And so I used it as a Bible bookmark. My kids drew on it in church, and I just kind of stuck it on my refrigerator. And every time I was cooking at the stove or anything like that, I'd just be cooking and I'd see Ginger and Christy in there playing, and Christy would trip and fall over Ginger, and they would stumble, and I'd say, Thy gentleness hath made her great, Lord. I'm trusting your word to go forth and penetrate the heart 
and the marrow of their bones. And so that, you know, some people say, but you had so much faith. Well, believe me, I understand the faith the size of the grain of a mustard seed because my faith wasn't there. I just had fertile soil saying, I'm desperate, God. Let your word do something because I can't do it. And so that's what I did. I just kept standing on that and literally two weeks to the day, both of my covenants were beginning to come to pass. And it was back in the 70s, and I remember um, during that time we had home groups where everybody came to your house, and, and we sang songs like, This is the day, this is the day, and those were all the first songs of the charismatic movement. And so people would come to our home, and, and one lady stopped by my house this particular day named Shirley, and um, the doorbell rang, and Ginger buried her face in my clothes and went to the door with me, just hanging on to me. I wonder who it is. And Shirley said, well, hi, Brenda. I just wondered what I could bring tonight. And we just started talking about home group and what time it started. And Ginger steps out from behind my clothes. Here she's not even two years old. It's been two weeks since I wrote the covenant. And she's going, you want to hear me sing a song? And I'm telling you, she didn't even talk. My other daughter interpreted her motions of what she wanted. She didn't even talk. And she's telling this lady she wants to sing a song. And the lady's, yes, sing me a song. And she's doing the itsy-bitsy spider going, The word of faith is nigh thee even in my mouth. The word of faith is nigh thee. And I thought, oh, Jesus. She's literally singing the word of God boldly without fear. His word had gone forth and penetrated the heart and the marrow of her bones. And his word was coming alive and changing the shyness. And she was speaking his word and singing his word boldly without fear. And then God dropped in Christie's, at an early age, a love for ballet. And she began to dance for a professional ballet company in Wyoming. And, and the grace just started coming on her. And she began to witness to her friends at an early age. She won her four-year-old neighbor girl to the Lord when she was four years old. And I just saw the apt to teach was coming forth in her immediately. So two weeks to the day, my first covenant had come to pass. And I was like, yes, his word is alive and active. Brenda's words are not good to pray. God's word is what I should be praying. So I began to implement these covenants into the children. And I was still struggling financially and my husband had some things he had needs for. So one of the first things I did was I, I said, girls, y'all have outgrown your clothes. We don't have the money to go buy clothes right now. All of my words were not very faith-oriented at that time. And so I said, let's take all your clothes out of the closet, throw them on the floor, and let's just give them away because it says in Luke 6.38, give and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shaken together, and running over. So we're going to take all your clothes, and I wrote the scripture down on a little piece of paper, and we laid it on the clothes, and the girls just laid on their clothes, and we just prayed the scripture over their clothes. It was just a very short time after we gave all the clothes away to Goodwill that a woman called and said, Brenda, I have seven boxes of clothes that my daughters are older now, but I want to give them to you. Your girls would be clothed for the next two or three years if you want these boxes of clothes. And I knew, gosh, my girls were able for the first time to see, God's word did that. Did you see what God's word did today? And boy, we had a heyday just going through clothes and trying on. It was awesome. And so um, after I started writing covenants over the girls and seeing change happen so quickly and God's word go forth so quickly, 
I knew that Tom needed some things done in his life. How many of us have husbands? Boy, you need some work in that area. And so my husband was a very hard worker. He um, had landed a job at the railroad. He was bottom of the totem pole. We needed money. And um, I decided to write a covenant for Tom. He um, needed a promotion. I was always complaining to God before I had learned about these covenants. I would say, God, he needs a promotion. Joe got the last promotion, and my husband works a lot harder than Joe does. And it's just not fair. I was always, it's not fair. That's what God heard from me all the time. And God never understood my situation, so I had to explain it to him. And so I took another three-by-five card, and I wrote down Tom. And this time I found three scriptures. I thought, Psalms 1-3, Tom's like a tree planted by the water, yielding forth his fruit in due season. His leaves don't wither, and whatever Tom sets his hands to prosper. And I just like, yeah, that's a good one. I'm going to write that down. And I found 2 Corinthians 8, 7 through 8. Cause Tom to abound in everything. In faith, in utterance, in knowledge, and in love. And then John 1, 8. Cause Tom to meditate in God's word day and night and to observe it and make all of his ways prosperous and cause him to find favor in the eyes of those in authority over him. Now, this was a major key because Tom was a hard worker. He had been raised to respect those in authority over him. People liked Tom. He was funny. He was fun. He's just a joyous person. He has a great laugh, and people just liked him. But there's something different when you see the anointed favor of God going forth and penetrating someone's heart and the morrow, and that favor just rides on their shoulders. And all of a sudden, a new authority sets its place on them. And this is what began to happen with Tom. So the anointed favor of God had been spoken over him. It didn't matter what he did. Uh, the evaluation started flooding in. It, compliments were on every evaluation. No one could take the next promotion but Tom. No one deserved the next raise more than Tom did. And everything began to change. He went to the top of the company. He got another job, went to the top of that company, went to work for Exxon. The stories just went on and on for the next few years. He was just excelling in everything he did. And I was a very impatient person, so my prayer before covenants was always, hurry up, God, just hurry up and do it. Just hurry up. And I don't don't remember who taught it to me. Someone maybe in church or something said, you need to stand on Jeremiah 1.12. He hastens his word to perform it. He doesn't hasten to perform Brenda words. He hastens to perform his word. And so within a very short time, change took place and the favor happened and and Tom was just exploding in, in favor and wisdom and knowledge. And, and um, the alive and active word was just going forth every day. And I could see that happening. I want to remind you that I never told Tom, you just need to know, I wrote a covenant over you, and you're going to get that next race. You don't want to put this pressure on your children or your husband. So many of us have done that. I've done that. You need to straighten yourself up, and you need to line yourself out. And sometimes there's just situations that a child or a husband is out of, out of control to make it happen to please you. But God can do things that you can't do in the physical realm. And so then, it wasn't very long after that. This was a couple of years went by. And we were just standing on covenants, and I began to share with Tom about the covenants. And uh, we had found a church in Houston. We always said, we're always going to go to a small church. We don't want to go to a mega church, but we're in Houston. We're going to stay in these small little churches. 
But there was something happening in a church called Evangelistic Temple in Houston, Texas. There's three or 4,000 people there, and um, man, God was just moving, and I was raised Southern Baptist, and I was spirit-filled now, but when I went to this church, people danced, and that was really scary to me because I, I was always taught dancing was a sin, and people had long hair, and girls wore halters and flip-flops and everything else, and I just wasn't used to the, this kind of freedom that happened in this church, but I knew that God was moving there. And this particular Sunday, we always got there an hour early just to get a seat, and this particular, every time we, we went, something would happen during the service. The happy hunters went there. Have you ever heard of Charles and Francis Hunter? They went there, and they were elders in our church. And, and the pastor would have different speakers come. And, and I remember one Sunday, the, the pastor turned it over to Charles and Francis, and they called all the children up to the front. And so the mothers would come up with babies in their arms, and, and they would just wave their arms over all the children, just as long as this. They would just wave their arms, and the children would just go down like dominoes. And the babies in the mother's arms would just fall back like that and just be out for the rest of the service. And I'd just never seen anything like that. And I, I loved going because something neat in the, the presence would come like it was earlier. And just something would happen. And it was just so much fun to see what God was going to do next. So this particular Sunday, Tom and I went to church. We were sitting about a third of the way back. And the pastor, after praise and worship, came out and said, you know, the Berean Bible College wants to do something very special for this church, and they're going to allow us to have a Bible college here. For anyone that has a call on their life, you can come and sign up and be in this Bible college. And then that suddenly happened, and it got quiet. And the pastor said, you know what? Someone here right now has a call on their life. Where are you? There's a young man here right now that has a call on your life. And Tom and I were like, wow wonder who it is. We're looking around, and the pastor says, where is he? Where are you, young man? Get up here. I want to pray for you. There's someone here right now that has a call, and you're going to be in this college. And all of a sudden, Tom just starts trembling from the top of his head all the way to him. He's just trembling. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with my husband? And I reach over, and I put my hand on his hand and on his knee, and I say, Tom, are you okay? And he just starts trembling harder. About that time, the pastor says, there he is, right there, right there, you young man. He starts pointing to Tom, and I'm like, oh my gosh. He's pointing to my husband, and Tom starts just trembling and slides out of the pew into the floor. He just starts crawling down on the floor, and the pastor says, get up here, I want to pray for you right now. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. And so he crawls to the, t- to the front of the, pl- to the stage because he can't stand up, and he's just trembling, and he's just grabbing the pews, and he's pulling himself along. And there's just a silence. And all of a sudden, one by one, people start clapping and they start standing up. 3,000 people all over the stadium, all over the auditorium. And they're just clapping for this young man that has a call on his life. And the pastor prays for him and everybody's clapping. And I'm like, yeah, that's my husband up there. God called my husband. I didn't really want him to be a preacher, but he, he did call my husband and And then in that proud moment, I remembered, you know what? I wrote a covenant that said he would abound in everything, and he would meditate in his word day and night. And he would be like a tree planted by the water, abounding in everything. And all of a sudden, it hit me. I wrote a covenant over my husband, and God is calling him to meditate in his word day and night. Oh, it was an awesome day. And um, he's a pastor today. 
And uh, gosh, that was 30, 32, 34 years ago. So after this happened, I kept praying over my husband. The jobs, the blessings started coming. My children started completely changing. And how many of us know that whenever someone asks you to pray for them, it's like, sure, I'll pray for you to be healed. Sure, I'll pray for you to get a job. But then when you start looking at yourself and you see your own flaws, it's like, that's impossible. I've been dealing with that issue for years. I can't change who I am. And the Lord showed me, it's time, Brenda. It's time for you to write a covenant over Brenda. And you have to understand, I was very insecure in high school. I wasn't very good in school. I was terrible in, in my grades. The insecurity was severe. Um, I, I knew if I didn't make the grade, it, you know, I was going to get in trouble. I, you know, things like that would happen. And I, and I, just tell, I would just cry out, God, it's report card day again. I'm going to get bad grades, and I can't read very well. And I don't know. Nowadays, they call it learning deficits or reading disabilities, and they have things for that. But back then, it was just, I was just the dumb kid at school that couldn't get the grade. And if you made the grade, you could be a cheerleader, or you could be, you know, you could be a part of a um, sports and you couldn't do sports if you didn't make the grade and so I was always battling with this I remember carrying an insecurity manifests itself in weird thing weird ways I, I would carry my books over me and cover myself and I don't want anybody to know I was the one that made a bad grade you know I don't I couldn't even look people in the face I was so shy and insecure and rejection just dripped off of me and so I told the Lord I said Lord you know me I just want to be smart if I could be smart everything would be fixed in my life I don't even have, know how to read. And I was, I was telling someone, I hadn't even, when I graduated from high school, I don't know how I graduated because I hadn't even read five books in my entire life when I graduated from high school. And my kids were asking me, Mom, what were those five books you did read? And I said, well, the 23rd Psalms. And I think Ginger said, Mom, that's not a book. That's a chapter. <laughs> and I started laughing. I said, well, truly, I did not know how to read. So I began to pour, I, I was like, God, I want, I want to be smart. What's smart in your book? And I remember sitting at my dining room table, said, I don't even know where to start. And then the Holy Spirit just dropped it in me. Wisdom is what you want. You're crying out for the wisdom of God, Brenda. And it's like, wisdom, wisdom just was bouncing off of my spirit. And so I poured my heart and soul. I knew the wisdom book was Proverbs. I started reading Proverbs the best I could. And um, I know a lot of you have read the Proverbs. I poured myself into it, and I became obsessed with Proverbs 31. I didn't care about being smart anymore. This was so much, covenant was so part of, part of a way of my life that I knew how to write the covenant because I knew I was in a desperation mode again to write a covenant for me that I couldn't change myself, but his word could. And so I began to read God's word. And I found myself, as I read his word, I began to read better and better. I literally was learning how to read by reading his word. So I wrote my first covenant in January of 1981. It's called Brenda. And I, it's based off Proverbs 31. My first covenant said, Dear Lord and Savior, I desire with all my heart to be wise, and I desire your wisdom book to become a part of my being. Forgive me for only wanting the smarts of this world. Forgive me for waiting so long to turn to you to write a covenant over me. I give you my rejection. I give you my insecurities, my fears. Take them from me 
and replace all the ugly parts of my being with your word. So I was literally, in a small way, taking my own self through deliverance by praying his word over myself. I desire to be this Proverbs 31 woman, create in me this woman of God who is of noble character, a woman of God whom my husband has full confidence in, and show me how to speak with wisdom and teach me how to have the faithful instruction on my tongue. I desire to have no fear of tomorrow. I feared everything in my life. I feared being a bad mother, a bad wife. I feared everything. Help me to not fear for tomorrow. And create in me all these things that please you, O Lord. I trust that you can do in me what you did for my girls and for my husband, Tom. I desire that one day my children will rise up and call me blessed. And I signed it, and I dated it, and I made covenant with God. And the Holy Spirit began to reveal to me that smart wasn't even the answer. It was, the, it was just the beginning of touching on a tiny smidgen of wisdom. And I began to pour his wisdom into me. And I'm still working on it. Only the word of God could become so alive and active in someone as simple as me. And Tom and I counsel many couples today. And the first thing they do when they come in is, you don't know what he's done to me. Or you don't know how she nags me. And they've never heard of a covenant. So... Tom and I began to write covenants over our marriage a long time ago. This was the first covenant we ever wrote over our marriage in 1982. We had been writing covenants over our children, his job, him, me, and now we decided to write one over our marriage. Lord, give Tom and I a new love that no one can separate us from the love of Christ. I will say with my mouth, we will have all of the fruits of the Spirit, love, peace, joy, gentleness, goodness, meekness, and we shall live in the Spirit of the Lord forever. So change began to happen, and, and, and still even now, my kids are now about 10 and 11 and 12, people were still speaking things. You constantly hear from the world things that are happening. If you'll go back when I was talking about the two-year-old, oh, that's the awkward twos. It's just terrible, the awkward age. And they'd say, well, but just wait till they start school. Maybe you got through it, because I was writing covenants. Maybe you got through the terrible twos, but just wait till they start school. It gets rough when they start first grade. That rebellion comes in and it gets rough. And so I'd write covenants about the first day of school in kindergarten. And so uh, then they started saying, well, just wait till they become teenagers. You know, yeah, you got through grade school, but the teenage years are horrible. And then it was the in-laws. You know, when they get married, it's going to be rough. They're going to marry somebody and you'll never see your kids again. It was just on and on. And I thought, Lord, I want my girls' husbands to like me. I want to like it. I want to stay with my children forever. I always want to be a part of their lives and my, my future grandchildren. So when Christy and Ginger were 11 and 12 years old, I wrote a covenant for their spouses. This was in 1989, and I caused Christy to dwell in the secret place of the Most High and to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. She will not be afraid, for she will know the will of God and choose her husband now and mold him and make him especially for Christy, cause him to love her as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, and cause him to cleave to her and cherish her and make him holy and give them a long and happy life. And then I did the same thing for my 11-year-old Ginger. So I began to implement these covenants in their lives. And I knew they're only 11 and 12, but I want this taken care of. When their husband comes along, we're going to know who he is, and it's, it's going to be a long-lasting marriage. 
So I be, the girls begin to write covenants over their teachers. They begin to understand that we're the first and not the last. We're the head and not the tail. We've got to pray for this teacher that's ungodly. We were in Wyoming where 56 of the teachers in the town were professed witches and warlocks. And so we had a lot of Mormonism and um, witchcraft and things like that that was in the school system. And it, it scared the tar out of me again. And I just began to pray over my children and pray over their teachers. And they began to write covenants for their friends that didn't know Jesus. And so it became a way of life for them. Their grades were always extremely well, and they were finding extreme favor. And um, they decided they wanted to write a covenant over their husbands. So as a 12-year-old, Christy, my firstborn daughter, wrote, Lord, I, now you have to see this is in the eyes of a 12-year-old. Lord, I just want my husband to be smart, and I don't want a dead husband. I want him to be tall and dark and handsome, and I want him to have a heart after God. And he must be a fit athlete. And I also want him to write poetry like Solomon did. And I want him to love to dine at fine tables with me and take me to my ballets. And I thought, good Lord, where are we going to find this athlete that likes to write poetry, you know? And so she winded up marrying a guy, and he went to medical school and became a doctor. He's an OBGYN. And it's it's funny because when my book came out, in December, Christy said, you know, Mom, I think I'm going to publish a book of, to- of to- uh, Eric's poetry that he's written. And I said, he's really written poetry? Because I remember he had written one po- so- poem to her, and I thought, well, he's just trying to please her. But she said, yes, he writes poetry. I said, well, does he have like 10 or 12 um, poems that he's written? She said, no, I have a volume about this big of the poetry he's written in his lifetime. And I was like, you're kidding me. And it just blessed my soul that this covenant was written this far back when she was 12 years old. And she found a man that had a heart after God and that wrote poetry. And Ginger was um, 18 years old when she wrote her first covenant for her husband. I want my husband to be strong, someone who will protect me. I want him to have favor and authority over him like my daddy has. He must be a man of God, and he must be pure and have excellent morals. He must love to have fun. He must love me as Christ loved the church, and he must be faithful to me. And God gave her a man that is six foot three. She's four foot eight or ten. And um, he's a sergeant in the Killeen Police Department. He's on the SWAT team. He teaches special forces. He's a drug recognition expert. He is very faithful. He's got great morals. He's very strong in stature and tall, and and they're just a couple that was created. He was created by God for her, and he lines up with her covenant. And um, I just, I remember, Ginger, one of the the times that really stood out to me, I was trying to think of some covenants that they did that came to pass right away. They learned how to declare and decree. You know, there's one thing in just praying God's word, and gosh, I hope that comes to pass, but to declare and decree sets it in motion into another level. And um, I remember Ginger was nominated her senior year. We had just moved to Brownwood. I was always praying it. We moved quite a bit, and I remember every time we moved, I thought, I don't want to be the outcast. I don't want to be the odd kid at school, and I want everybody to just accept my children when we move. So we had moved to Brownwood. We hadn't lived there one year, and Ginger was you know, made cheerleader, and I remember she was nominated for homecoming queen that year, along with eight or ten or twelve other girls. And I know that every girl, if I was nominated for homecoming queen, I'd be like, Lord, please let me get the votes. I want to win. I want to win. That's the way I'd be thinking. I'll be a good Christian girl. And, you know, there was a lot of Christians running for homecoming queen, too. But I remember Ginger saying, Mom, I want to write a covenant about this. 
And she sat down and wrote a covenant. Lord, you're the one that said I'm the head and not the tail. You're the one that told me, and I'm agreeing with your word, that I'm the first and not the last, the beginning and not the end. So I declare and decree this day that whoever puts my name on that balance will be saved and filled with the Holy Ghost sometime in their life. And I thought, boy, God responded to that prayer because she was calling forth and declaring decree and salvation for her classmates. Those that put their, her name on the ballot, somehow God put it in people's hearts to put her name on the ballot. And she won by a landslide. I remember some of the pe- teachers counting the votes said, after 80% of gingers, everything was ginger after 80%, we just stopped counting because she had won by a landslide. And, I, and I'm not saying that to brag. Any mom would want to say, yeah, my girl won, my girl won, yes, yes, yes. But it was, it was the fact that how many of those girls sat down and wrote a covenant that changed the kingdom of God. There, it was a different level of a prayer. It was a declaration and a decree to God. When I was 36 years old, I was pregnant with my son James. We had believed God for 10 years for a son. And Christy and Ginger were 11 and 12, and I was pregnant with James. But during this time, I had been praying for God to give me a son, and I wanted to write a covenant for what we wanted our son to be like. So Tom and I got together, and when I was pregnant, I said, Lord, I want my son to have a heart like David. Put in his heart to speak your word boldly without you without fear, from a young age, and I want him to have a heart after you. Oh, Lord, I desire my son to be strong and bold as a lion. I desire him to be a speaker of truth. Give him supernatural strength as you did David. Make him quick, as David was quick to take out the lion and the bear. Give him supernatural gifts and place your supernatural favor upon him at a young age. I desire him to be so much like David that he even looks like David and has a ruddy complexion as David had. And so James came forth, and he was a redhead, and he had the ruddy complexion. And from a very young age of two years old, he had dreams and visions about God. I remember him coming in when he was two years old, and every morning when James came in, he rubbed his eyes and said, Good morning, and got up in our lap, and he was a real lovey baby at two. But one morning he came in, and he was just like, Mom, I saw Jesus. I was with Jesus, and I went in his car to heaven. And I said, really? And he said, yeah, I went right out there, and his car was right there, and it had green lights around it, and Jesus doesn't have seatbelts in his car. And he said, I didn't have to have seatbelts. And he went to heaven with Jesus and rode on Jesus' back and played with the toys of heaven. And he described the, the toy room in heaven that he played in, and he said it was all glass. The sun came in from every direction, Mom, and the toys were made out of, like your ring right here, all the toys were made out of that stuff, and it was gold. And he said all the little men that you put in, in the cars, they had rubies and jewels and stuff in their eyes, and they were all made out of gemstones. And he didn't even understand all of that, but somehow when he was in heaven with God or with Jesus, he got a download of what heaven was going to be like someday. At a very young age, the same time I prayed for Christy and Ginger's husbands, I prayed for the future husband, I mean wife for my son James. I prayed for James' a wife, wherever she is right now. She hadn't even been born when I wrote this. She's six years younger than James. Protect her 
and I plead the blood of Jesus over her. I call her in to your kingdom at an early age to become a Proverbs woman. I call forth a righteous child, a child that fears the Lord and walks in his ways. May her hands be blessed and may her beauty be on the outside as it is great on the inside. I declare this child to come forth and to be blessed going in and blessed going out. I call and declare a bride for my son James today. That's so powerful. So August 31st in 2010, my son was about 23 years old, and he loved to travel the world. He was a loner. I'll never get married. And he, was, uh, he backpacked in Europe, and he just loved to travel. And he came to me on August 31st, 2010, and said, Mom, I'm lonely, and I think I want a wife, and I want you to write a covenant, and I'm going to write a covenant. We're going to sign these covenants and bring forth this wife that God has, because my sisters are so picky. They don't like anybody that I even look at. And I've got to have a wife that the whole family likes. And he understood about covenants because he had been raised in this. And so James wrote a covenant. He wanted an Italian, dark, olive-skinned girl so he could lessen the chances of having a red-headed child. <laughs> he wanted a wife that understood children and knew how to raise children and had a heart after God. She had to be pure. That was the hardest part of the whole covenant finding a pure person nowadays. Two years to the day... Rachel, his future wife, walked through the church doors, and she has a heart after God, and she's very pure. And from the time she was two or three years old, her parents brought in foster children, and she took care of foster children from the time that she was young. All of her life, she grew up having a love for children that were not as benefited as she was. And um, I just thought that was so neat. She came into the church, and she met our family, and she fell in love with our family before she even fell in love with James. And she, she told the Lord, I want to be in this family. Do they have a son? And so she met James and she said, do they have another son? <laughs> we teased him about that. We said, no, this is the only son we've got. But they fell in love and they, they, were married, they will be married two years uh, in this next month. And so many people ask me, why are dates so important? Why can't I just pray? Why do I have to write it down? Why do you write the covenant down? Why, what's the big deal about dates? And the Bible talks about writing things down all the time. Write it on the tablet of your heart, it says. And if you turn to Esther, this is something that... Esther is one of my favorite books. I love the story of Esther and how poor little pauper girl becomes the queen. In Esther 8... This is after Queen, Queen, um, King Xerxes has displayed his wealth for 180 days. The Bible says it was six months. I think, man, when I get a new piece of jewelry or something really nice that I paid a lot of money for, I can show it off for 10 minutes, but I don't display my wealth for 180 days. This king displayed his wealth, the Bible says, for six solid months. Then he had a feast for seven days. Now, I've feasted for three days at family reunions. I understand what a feast is. But seven days he feasted. And then on the seventh day, we all know that he called forth his wife, Vashti, and wanted to show off her beauty to everyone, and she refused to come. So Queen Vashti was banished from the kingdom. And we know the story that Esther was chosen. It says in the Bible that Esther was crowned queen the tenth month of the seventh year reign of Queen Xerxes, which is October. 
five years later, the 13th day of the first month of January, Haman, the wicked man that worked with the king, asked King Xerxes to destroy and annihilate all of the Jews of the land. And he brought forth royal secretaries and wrote a script for every providence in every land, every providence in every language for every Jew to be killed. He hated Mordecai. Mordecai was a smart, godly Jew. And Esther sought counsel from Mordecai. But Haman hated him, and he hated all of the Jews. So this, the Bible talks about it. They wrote it down. They wrote it down on the 23rd day of the third month. They brought forth them, all of them. And then just three months later, after Esther has spent much time in intercession, intercession and she's gone to Mordecai and her family, she said, pray, pray, pray. I'm going to go before the king. I've been appointed for such a time as this. Three months later, on the 23rd day of the third month, which is March, Esther had the royal secretary summoned to write a new script of protection for the Jews, and it was signed by the king's seal. So in chapter 8, it says, On the same day King Xerxes gave Queen Esther the estate of Haman and the enemy of the Jews. And Mordecai, the wise Jew, came in the presence of the king because Esther had told the king all about Mordecai and how he gave her all the information. And the king took off his ring that he had reclaimed from Haman, who had written all of these things down, and he presented it to Mordecai. And then Esther appointed Mordecai over all of Haman's estate. And then in verse 9 it says, And then they called forth the royal secretaries that were summoned on the 23rd day of the month, And Mordecai wrote down, in the name of King Xerxes, it was sealed with this king's signet ring. And the king granted the Jews in every city the right to assemble themselves and protect themselves against all those that had threatened to annihilate them. Now, the Jews knew, we're about to be killed. And you know how it is in an office when you're working with a bunch of people and there's one person that's got bad seed and everybody jumps on the bandwagon with that one person that's just evil. And that's the way Haman was. His whole family was evil. All of his ten sons were evil. They had so many people in all of the providences threatening to kill the Jews. You just wait. On this day when it's signed, you're going to die. We are going to annihilate you. So the king gave all of the Jews permission to pull together an army to kill those that had threatened to kill them. And then in verse 6, in that city, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 men. They killed all of Haman's sons, all 10 of them, and it names every one of them. They killed all 10 sons of Haman. Haman was hung on the gallows. And then the king turns to Esther. Talk about a tough woman. Esther, the Jews have been killed. 500 people the Jews have killed that have threatened them. What else do you want us to do for you? Anything that you petition, it will be given you. What is your request? I will grant you anything. But they've already killed 500 evil people. If it pleases the king, Esther says... I want you to take those ten sons of Haman and hang them on the gallows with Haman so everybody can see these are the wicked people that wanted to destroy my race. 
So these dead ten sons were hung in the gallows for people to look upon and know if you had any part of this family, you could die next. And then the king commanded that this be done. And then the Jews came forth on the 14th day of the month. This was all written down by Mordecai. And they killed 300 more men. And meanwhile, the remainder of the Jews that were in the king's provinces also assembled together themselves, and they killed 75,000 wicked people. 75,000 people died in a three-day time period because Esther interceded for her race and stepped forward in such a time as this and went to the king. So see how important it is to write things down. If they didn't write this down, we wouldn't know. I'd think, oh, they killed Haman. That's all that happened. They killed Haman and Esther became queen. I don't know what day that was, but I know the Bible says it. I mean, dates and, and things are so important. People ask me all the time, why do you write it down? Because I have journals and journals. Of, of, I have three huge journals of covenants that have come to pass. Hundreds and hundreds of covenants. I made myself extremely vulnerable in the book by... Um, even writing the covenants that, I, that have not yet come to pass for you to see that I'm still standing and trusting God's word to go forth and bring these things to pass. Back then, they wrote it down, they signed it, they dated it, and they sealed it with the king's signet. But today, we write it down, we write his word down, we sign it, we date it, and we seal it with the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony that it's come to pass. Do you see the difference? Jesus is the blood of the Lamb. And then our testimony of what's happened is what exhorts other people and makes them know, I can do this. I can take God's word. I can't do it. I've already tried. And people say, well, Brenda, you have so much faith. It's much easier for you. You've been doing this a long time. No, when I sit down and, and write a covenant today, I write a covenant today in the same desperation I did when I wrote the first covenant because I can't make it happen. I've done everything in my own power. So I sit down today and I write a covenant and say, God, this situation at church, and, and we've, we've prayed over our churches. Every church we're in, we write covenants over. There's always something in a church that you're dealing with, whether it's a dissension or finances or Anything, we need growth. We need church growth. Add into us daily according to your word. Add into us like you did the Church of Corinthians. And, you know, you can start using it in every aspect of your life. And so today, when I write a covenant, it's just like when I wrote the first covenant. Lord, it's going to take you. Because without you, I'm nothing. I can't make it happen. And so I just, I just encourage you, every one of you have been where I was, where you were just riding, going through an insecure time or you have a fear of something in your life or you're, you're discouraged because your, your niece or your nephew still isn't saved, well, call, write the scriptures down that say your whole household will be saved. Your entire household will know him. That's not your entire household except for your second and third cousin. They don't count. Your whole household is your whole household. And so he wants... Every part of his word, and this is just one revelation from his word that God gave me 36 years ago. Every time I sit down to read, it's not about how long I'm going to read 30 minutes today. No, it's not I'm going to read four chapters today. It's God, give me a revelation. I want to sit in your presence. I know your word. Give me a revelation today of what you have for me. 
because it will change my destiny. And you can become history makers instead of, and history changers instead of just reading about it or just hearing about it. You are appointed for such a time as this. I feel like I have a word for the girl that sat next to you at lunch. Is that you? The blonde, uh-huh. When you were sitting there at lunchtime, the Lord just said, she is a, a destiny changer. And from this day forward, what's your first name? Abigail. I declare and decree Abigail is a destiny changer by the word of God. She will speak your word boldly without fear and write your word and change the destiny of the past in her future because of this word of knowledge that's come forth today. In Jesus' name. And Bunny. The Lord says that Bunny is my intercessor and she has changed things in the atmosphere and brought kingdom come to here. You've touched kingdom, and you've brought it to earth, and you have pleased me. And this is just the beginning because you're in such a time as this for his kingdom to come and be more, and you're walking in it, and he's pleased with Bunny. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. I feel like someone, I've had a pain right here. I don't know if it's indigestion from lunch, but someone has a hurt right in your chest in the center. Almost feels like a heart attack. And the Lord wants to heal you, whatever it is, whether it's, if you know what it is or you don't know, maybe it's just indigestion, but God wants to heal you right now. If it's you, just stand up and I will pray for you right now. Is it right now? Yes. Well, I had a, a blood clot in my lung over the weekend. I was in the hospital. Stand up. Thank you, Father. Why don't y'all just come forward for a second, if you don't mind? Anybody else that has a pain in your chest right here in the center? Thank you, Father, for supernatural healing. It is not by my power, but by your word, says the Lord. I thank you for healing. Receive it right now. Receive his healing. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. You say yes. Yes. Never again. Never again. Never again. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. We give you glory and honor. Thank you, Father. Oh, in his presence, in his presence. Thank you, Father. If you want to have these scriptures that I've talked about, they're all in the book. There's samples of covenants. It's a very inexpensive book. It's life-changing. And it, can, uh, it has lots of covenants in there that you can actually say, I want to write that covenant for my daughter. I want to write that covenant for my husband. You can actually put their name in it. My girlfriend is in Wyoming. I haven't seen her in 30 years. She got my book. And she said, you talked about covenants. And I was too afraid to ask you, how do I do it? How do I write it? And see, I've taught on covenants for 27 years now. She says, but I was too afraid to ask. But when I saw it in the book, I wrote it down on my three-by-five card. And it was like the revelation came as I wrote his word down. The understanding came of his word. 
I wasn't just saying, yeah, he prospers everything you set your hands to. It's like, he prospers every single thing I set my hand to. And the revelation of the understanding came into my spirit. My soul was so hungry to understand. And another girl from Fredericksburg, her name is Christina, she called me and she sent me an email. She said, you were living in Fredericksburg 25 years ago, Brenda, and your son and my son were the same age. And you told me about covenants and I wrote, it down. I wrote three covenants. And I thought, I wonder where those are. She said, I went and I found them. I found them through all this old stuff. We'd moved three times and I found those three covenants. And they had all come to pass. But I never wrote another one. And I thought, I wouldn't even have a son today if I hadn't written a covenant. My children wouldn't be where they are today, walking in His glory. And, and they've been implementing this in their children. My grandchildren came over last June and sat down and said, Nana, we want to write a covenant. That sounds fun. And I said, well, do you have any needs? And I made each of them write down three things in June. They spent the night with me. And school started in September. And by the time school started, all six covenants had come to pass. So this is for every generation. As a grandma, as a child, I have six, eight, and ten-year-olds that have all read my book. It's very easy reading. And they read the book and say, I want to read what you wrote about me, Nana. You know, and your your grand, I, I'm giving each one of my grandchildren a book of covenants that I've written since the day they were conceived, because I know that they, all of the things that I'm writing about are already coming to pass. So I can't even keep up with it. It's so exciting. Jana, did you want to minister, or do you have something else? Just come on up. I know there's some people here that might have questions for Brenda. Is there anybody like to ask Brenda a question? Usually the number one question I'm asked is, uh, how long does it take for a covenant to come to pass? <laughs> Tom and I write lots of covenants, and we keep covenant on our closet door. And each morning my husband goes by and lays his hand on the covenant for our church. And every time, and he'll come in and say, Brenda, it's coming to pass. We need to write a new one. But uh, usually uh, out of the hundreds of covenants, usually it's between about two weeks and two years. Uh, James was 10 years. Uh, my first covenant came to pass in two weeks. Tom and I have sat down in desperation and written a covenant, and it came to pass before we signed our names to the bottom. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. Any questions? No question is a dumb question. Yes, ma'am. Amen. You, we have written covenants over our territory. We've been in our territory of temple for 11 years. We knew that people were hungry for God and that there was lots of prayers that gone forth. We pray for lush territory in our territory. And we started praying that 11 years ago in Temple, Texas is now the eighth fastest growing city in the United States of America. That happened in 11 years. If we had not prayed that, come together and written a covenant, I believe Temple, Texas would be stagnant like it was the day we got there. I encourage you to write covenants for your territory. You are the leadership of your territory. You have the authority to change your territory and make it green and make your cattle fat and make your churches abound and grow 
and unity for your territory and godly leaders. If you have ungodly leaders in your territory, pray that God takes them out or changes them. My son was just sharing with me that he, has, he works in cardiology, and he said that he came into his new section of cardiology, and it was just wicked, some wicked people in there. And he began to pray, God, change their heart or get them out. He's only been in there six months. He told us last night that he only lacks two to leave or change. And God has brought in godly people, and there's a unity in the cardiology department because of the covenants he's written over the cardiology department. Yes, it's very powerful for every area of your life, and the the youth of this land need revival. Yes, ma'am. No, I read it as we feel led. His word is his word, just like the Bible lays on my desk. Whether I read it or not, his word is his word. There's times where we feel, you know, kind of like when I was praying for Christy, and I said, thy gentleness hath made her great. Um, I just trust his word, and every once in a while, Tom and I will say, where's that covenant? Let's lay hands on that, you know. This isn't, you know, we, we're having a drought right now, and we prayed prosperity on this land, and us to have green grass in our territory, and so we'll just pull out a covenant we've been praying for, and um, it's as you feel led. You know, you don't want to make a formula out of it, or a doctrine, or make a God out of the covenant. You just write the covenant, and as you feel led, I'm still praying for that nephew that's wicked right now, or I'm still praying for that daughter that's not serving you. I'm still praying for the children of this territory, the youth of this territory. In the name of Jesus, I do lift up the youth of this territory. I say revival come forth. I declare and decree a revival in this land for the youth. I declare and decree the youth rise up and take the land for Jesus. I thank you, Father, that the older generation can look on the youth and be proud of the godly youth that they have. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Just as he, oh, you have a, you have a question? No, I oh, <laughs> Just as the word, the word, the word, the word, the word of God is Jesus. The word is the Lord Jesus. And he is active and alive. In this book, this is what the Lord told me one time. This is me. It's alive. I'm alive. That's what he told me. <laughs> and you know, if we, you know, we, we put our, uh, we believe in the word. But if you're believing in the word, you're believing in Jesus, see? <laughs> and uh, you, you believe because this is his promises to us. It's a covenant promise. And, and what you're saying uh, you know, will come about because she put it down. I think writing it down is just another step of speaking it. You, we, speak you know, it you I love that. My husband was just teaching about the five physical senses. Mm-hmm. And I know if we write things down, we're using our sense of touch. Mm-hmm. When we hear the word, it's our sense of hearing. When we see his word, we're like, I'm seeing the word and it's going into my spirit. When I breathe, every step I take and every breath I take, I mm-hmm. It's you, Holy Spirit, in me. So you're beginning to use every part of the five senses, and it's roll, everything in the physical rolls to the spiritual. And so when you write it down, you've used your, your touch, your, you've said it, you've seen it, you've heard it. It's a whole other level of faith 
and believe and belief becomes easy. Mm-hmm. Fun, and we're going to have a fire tunnel. And if, if you've never been in a fire tunnel, <laughs> well, it's an experience. But okay, what we're going to do in a minute? I want to pray for these, and then we'll just have uh, the. Uh, we I ordered a, a a cloth here that. Anyway, we're going to let y'all go under the cloth, and we're going. Me and Brenda are going to pray for y'all, and we're all going to pray as we go under the fire tunnel. And whatever your need is today, we're going to believe that God is going to touch you and meet your need. You know, God is is here today, and He's here and active and alive. He wants to meet every one of our needs. Every one of our needs. Yes. Okay, well, let's believe right now. Reach your hand out. Let's believe for healing yes. in these knees. Thank you, Father. I speak healing Jesus. on this knee and this I knee in Jesus' name. I thank you. Over her knees right now. I thank you. I thank you for healing in these knees in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, for supernatural healing. Yes. I speak healing in these knees in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that by his stripes they're healed in Jesus' name. Yes. 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 I agree. I agree. into this but the Lord's saying it's just a drop in the ocean mm. of what he's going to do mm. and the things he's going to bring you into and the people he's going to bring you forth bring you in front of to teach this revelation <laughs> but not only that but there are other things in your life that he is going to magnify and bless, and it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I, a, a lot you, of Father. your, I'm not looking, I'm not looking in your book, mm-hmm. but a lot of your, a lot of your covenants that are written down are going to go boom, 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 mm-hmm. boom. Yes. By the time you get home, you're going to have so many answered. You're going to have a hard time even mm-hmm. dating them. Mm-hmm. And that's just what I hear him saying. I agree. Mm-hmm. Amen. 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 Yes. Thank you, Father. Yes. Yeah, so I have to, I have to tell you, I wrote the book. Uh, my, I had, I had it in my heart to write it five years ago, and um, my mom, I've been taking care of her for two years. She passed away in April, and on her deathbed, she said, "Write the book, and I'll read it when I get to heaven." So in the last four months, I wrote the book, and it came out December. And uh, the publishing company called me in January and said, "Brenda, you don't understand this." where this book is going hot, and uh, I, I it's just going like crazy, and it's already on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble, and it's only been on the market three months, hadn't it, Ginger? Three, four months. So it's really moving fast, and, God, and I'm just getting tons of emails from people's lives that have been changed because I've never thought to write a covenant. I've prayed and whined and complained to God, but I've never wrote a covenant. 
Praise God. <laughs> but there are more books in you. It's not just on covenant. But there's going to be a lot of the wisdom of the Lord that you're going to be able to convey, not only to women, but to the body of Christ. But he has more books in you, so you get ready to write yes, the rest of those Lord. books so your mom can read them. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Go under here. We're going to pray for y'all. I guess we'll get on one side. Mm-hmm. Come on down this way. 